be standing, hey, and we'll pray together. Father God, thank you for the honour of bringing your word and thank you for the privilege of hearing and receiving it. Lord, your word brings us life. Your word is bread for us. It is our feast. Lord, I pray that today our spiritual ears would be open, our spiritual eyes would be perceptive to see and understand, Father. Lord, speak to each and every one of us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, I have a praise report today too. Um, for the last probably nearly a week. Um, when did I get that, that arm brace, Jeremy? Uh, earlier this week. Yeah, so it would be almost a week. I was yeah, wearing. I've been in um, a lot of pain from repetitive strain injury. And um, I had a, a few folk from church pray for me yesterday and I have no pain. <laughs> Most of the night, because of the pain, has been so bad. I couldn't sleep. But I slept last night, and I woke up this morning, and I went, I feel good. <laughs> Woo! That's, that's our God. Amen. He's good. Always good. So I want to talk to you today about when God says go. When God says go. And uh, as Di can attest, it's all about his timing. His timing is always spot on. And uh, so when God says go, we're going to go, all right? <laughs> we're not going to stop. Um, but what is he telling us to go and where is he telling us to go and do? So uh, Joshua 1, can we all turn there, please? This is our theme scripture for um, Kids Club in this term, Joshua 1. And... Um, Ah, good. All right, so we're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to go through to verse 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Everywhere the, sorry, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness to this Lebanon, as far as to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow, what an instruction. I just want to point out this word dismayed in that last verse, verse 9. He says, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Now, what does dismayed mean? It's, um, I, had to, I had to look up the, the Hebrew here because sometimes when we say words, we, we think we know what it means. But I wanted to check it out. Now, to be dismayed means being shattered. Wow, have you ever had a dream shattered? A goal you wanted to reach just crumble? Be shattered. It means to break, to be cracked, to feel like you're coming apart at the seams, to frighten, to shatter. To stand in awe, but not in a good way, in a bad way, like, uh-oh. To be terrified, to wane. That's what dismayed there means. God is saying, do not be dismayed. Don't let what you're looking at begin to crack your confidence, begin to frighten you and shatter you. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, at least four times in this verse, he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. You will go in. You will possess. You will inherit. You will be all right. And he uses these words, I will not leave you nor forsake you. This is the exact same God came in the flesh, Jesus, looked at his disciples and said those exact same words to them. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. In the Greek, do you know how that reads? I will not, absolutely not, never, ever, not once, not ever, not ever leave you. That's the kind of emphasis that is. He's not saying, you know, yeah, I'll hang around. But if it's inconvenient, you know, I'll probably have to go. No, he's saying, man, like it or not, you're stuck with me. I'm never going to leave you. I will never forsake you. This is the God we serve. Now, he was saying this to Joshua. Why was he saying this to Joshua and not to Moses? Because Moses' generation failed to go and take the land. I want to submit to you today that God is raising up a generation who are fearless and strong, full of faith and confident expectation in their Lord, their God. If you just flip back one book to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I just want to show you there were, there were two generations. So Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we're going to look in verse 32. Okay. Now, this is God talking to his people, 
when they're about to enter the promised land. I want you to really pay attention to the wording that he uses here, okay? I'm kicking, up, uh, kicking off in verse 32. For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm? And by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other beside him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might instruct you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power, driving out from before you the nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in to give you their land as an inheritance, as it is to this day. Therefore, know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath, and there is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. The heart of our God is coming out here. The wording that he has used here is amazing. Look from one end of heaven to the other. Search the whole earth. Have you ever heard of a God doing this for anybody? Now I ask you, those who follow other religions, maybe they follow Buddha, Buddha's teachings, maybe New Age, it's all within yourself. But who can compare to our God? Have you ever heard of another God, Allah, anyone, anywhere? The million plus Hindu gods, have any one of them ever parted the sea for their people? Have any one of them ever rescued them out of slavery with a mighty arm? Has anyone ever stepped in and spoke to them so they could hear his voice? There is no God like our God. And this is what he's reminding them of. God handpicked them for himself. They are his treasure, his delight. He chose them. He covenanted with them. He made himself their God and they became his people. And he, it says in verse 35, he did all this that they might know him as God. 
The first generation that came out of Egypt, they saw ten plagues fall upon the nation that had oppressed them for 430 years. They saw God lead them out, even though it seemed impossible. Who frees an entire nation, over a million people? Can you imagine the immigration crisis if a million people left anywhere in one day? God delivers one million people. And it says not one of them was feeble, not one of them was sick. Strong, confident. They come out. But here's the problem. They don't know the God that brought them out. They could see what he could do. They knew he's powerful. But they had no relationship with him. While they had been living in Egypt, the relationships they had were to the gods of Ra and the, the Nile gods and all the, you know, Osiris, all the gods of Egypt. They didn't have a relationship with the God of heaven and earth. And so as soon as something happened, they would revert back to their time in Egypt. Now, I can relate to this because as God's taken me on my journey of faith with him, some old mentalities die hard. And when the pressure is put on, what you really believe is what comes out. Have you noticed that? Turn the heat up, and what's in your heart comes out. And so taking captive those thoughts and beginning to bring them into submission of Christ, that we can truly begin to know our God. God is looking for a generation who know him. I tell you what, when you get to know him, Nothing else, no one else, nothing compares. It is extraordinary. Amen. And this generation that we read about in Joshua 1, they were a new generation. Do you know why? For 40 years they'd been in the wilderness. They hadn't been in Egypt. They hadn't been around the gods of the world. They'd been in the wilderness and every morning God prepared their breakfast and put manna on the ground for them to collect. He'd bring quail down really low so they could just catch them and cook up. We're having chicken tonight. Remember that? Uh, anyway, um, just randomly popped in my head. But uh, he, he looked after them every single day. On the sixth day, he'd give them double for the Sabbath day rest. And so for 40 years, if they needed water, they'd seen Moses speak to the rock and water gushed out in the wilderness. If they needed shade, there was the cloud by day. If they were cold, there was the fire by night. I mean, this was their God. So this generation knew him. And when it came time to take the land, they no longer did what their fathers did and said, whoa, there's giants in the land. It's impossible. They went, there's giants in the land. <laughs> Let's take them out. <laughs> Why? Well, God said he's with us. So pity them. God is with us. You see, the giants were still in Canaan. They hadn't changed, but the people had a different mindset. They had changed. 
and they were able to go in and possess the land. I love it. It talks about one of the giants being so big. I haven't quite got the dimensions, but I think his bed would have been about the size of this stage. Maybe not to the end of the stairs, but the start. That's a pretty big dude. <laughs> they weren't phased. How is it that they had no fear? Because they had too much faith in their God. Wow. I want us to turn over to the book of uh, John, chapter 1. Actually, I think it, yeah, John. I was thinking it was First John for a second. But no, just, just John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Mark, Luke, John. And we're going to look at verses 10 to 13. So John 1, verse 10 to 13 says this. He, talking about Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This verse is so wonderful because I read how much God loved the children of Israel in the Old Testament and he still loves them. He loves them fiercely. He's made an everlasting covenant with Israel. He will always love them. But we just read how he, he was so tender toward them. And there's another verse where it literally says, I carried you on wings of eagles out of Egypt. You know, this God that loved them so much, he, he drew them out, picked them for himself, put his name upon them and said, you are mine. I was like, oh, I would love to be part of that. Can I change my nationality? Can I be a Jew? Can I be loved by this God? Well, the answer is yes, but I don't need to change my nationality. It says here, as many as received him, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. We get to not just be his people, but his family, his children. As many as received him, to those who believe in his name, We've been given this extraordinary right. I want to know, do you know the one that you claim is your God? Now, sometimes I get amused when I'm around people and um, something will happen and they go, oh, my God. And I go, mm, he's pretty awesome. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Huh? Well, sorry, you were just talking about someone really close to me. <laughs> My God, yes! He's amazing! Oh, do you know him? Do you know him? When fear knocks at your door, do you know God? Can you look at that fear and say, nice try? <laughs> Have you seen the size of my God? Like, come on. I want us to go to Acts chapter 19 
and read the account of some people who begin to see the, the effectiveness of the name of Jesus, that this God was pretty powerful. This one they called Jesus, you could use his name and even demons had to leave. <laughs> the devils trembled at this name. And, and, and this name of Jesus began to be quite famous in the region and the people who used his name become quite famous. And, and so this is the sort of setting. I'm going to kick off in, in verse, uh, well, actually, we'll go verse 11. So Acts 19, verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. <laughs> I mean, wow, these people were like, okay, I, I admit it. I, I, I did steal that. I'm sorry. Have it back. <laughs> also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. I just want you to think about this for a minute. The name of Jesus was so magnified that people had such fear and respect for the name of Jesus, they looked at their magic books and went, well, that doesn't have the power I thought it had. And there was obviously a lot of people who had these magic books because it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. I know what company was the highest in the stock charts back then. Right? Oh my goodness. And it says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Now I want you to think about this. I'm sure these seven sons of Sceva had good intentions. They wanted to deliver this man from an evil spirit. The problem was they invoked a name they did not know. And the demons knew you don't have a relationship with Jesus. So you can't use his name when you're not submitted to it yourself. The name of Jesus. I want to read to you a poem written by uh, an evangelist uh, that I heard many years ago. His name is Steve Hill. He wrote this poem and I've never forgotten it. Um, but I will read it because I haven't memorised it. <laughs> he said this, There's a list, my friend, hear it well, that's penned and read in the pits of hell. 
It contains the names of the chosen few. Jesus, I know, but who are you? This list of names is a horror, you see, to the demons of darkness. They have to flee. From those who are written down in this book, they run so fast, not a second look. These people are classified all by name. It all began when to Christ they came, came to the cross, looked in his face, repented of sins, received his grace. It all began to make sense that day, convicted of sin, something's in the way. Between God and man, great distance be. Who'll close the gap for you and me? His son was sent, his blood was shed, for without the blood, the Bible said, there would be no pardon for mortal man. A life must be given. It was God's plan. On that fateful day, the die was cast, the Lamb of God would be the last, the last to bleed upon the ground for the sins of man, it would be sound. The blood dripped and the drops were heard in the corridors of hell, not a word. They trembled, they shook as a cry came out, forgive them, Father, then came the shout. Eli, Eli, Lamach, Shabbatthani, he pierced the heavens with that fateful cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Were the words of Jesus hanging on the tree. Those words rang out for all to hear. The Son of God, he loved so dear. Sin separates, divides, keeps us from him. But now the gap was closing in. The demons shook. What they feared the most was now reality to that cringing host. The Lamb of God had opened the way for you and me to be saved on that blessed day. He died, was carried to the tomb, but he only borrowed that vacant room. For in three days he would arise as the king with the keys of hell fire in his eyes. Time went by and a man named Saul was struck by God in the sight of all. He cried out, what do I do? That's all that mattered, his life was through. Now he played a different part, a man of God, Christ in his heart. He blazed a trail leading men to God. Hell took notes while the road he trod. There came a day when Sceva's seven sons were playing games with the Holy One. They used his name like a wind-up key, hoping to score when the victory. The demons laughed. They roared in hell at those foolish men. They knew them well. Not as men of God, soldiers of the cross, but as fools who played with the name of God. Yes, there's a list, my friends, hear it well, that's penned and read in the pits of hell. It contains the names of the chosen few. Jesus, I know, but who are you? Be a part, my friend, of this famous book, the one down there. Please, take a look. Are you written down? Better know it well. It's Lucifer's list. Are you? known in hell. What an interesting poem. You see, the demons knew who Paul was. He kept taking more and more of their numbers. He kept preaching the gospel and more and more people were leaving the camps of Satan and being liberated and coming to Jesus. Yes, they knew who Paul was. I want to tell you that God is wanting to raise up a generation of people who know him. It says that those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. 
There is no reason why we can't be the Pauls of our day. Paul had one focus, and that was to bring as many people to Jesus as he could. He would preach anywhere. He walked through um, this place on the hillside in Athens that had altars to all the different gods. And right there, he sees an altar. One, they were worried they might have missed one. So there was an altar. It said, to the unknown God. And Paul went, well, that's all I need. <laughs> hey, do you want to meet this God? You've got an altar for him. I know him. Let me introduce you. His name is Jesus. Do you know he died for your sins so you could be cleansed and washed clean? Do you know this God is amazing? He knows you by name. He created you in your mother's womb and he has a plan so amazing. He wants you part of it. Do you know this God? He is so big. He's bigger than all the other gods that you've made altars to. This God created the heavens and the earth that we stand on. This God is God. Wow. Paul was known in hell. Not that Paul, oh, he's not going to that town. Oh, calling all the reserves. We're going to have a rough day. Yep. People who know their God. You know, in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, I won't read it for the sake of time, but it's the parable of the talents where the master calls in three of his servants and he entrusts them with his money and gives it to them according to their abilities, to one five talents, to another two, to another one. The five and the two who were responsible for those, they went out and they doubled the money. But the, the servant who had the one talent went and buried it in the ground. Now, when the master returned, he was not so angry at this servant for not increasing his money as he was that the servant didn't know him. You see, the servant said, well, uh, I knew you to be a really harsh master and that you reap where you don't sow. Now, that's not even scriptural. That's not even factual. How do you reap where you haven't sown? Has anyone ever had a garden and reaped without sowing? I've got a lovely veggie garden, but I actually put all the plants in that one. And if, I, if something come up of its own, it's because something had been there beforehand in the ground. Someone before me had planted it. He's saying, you're a harsh man. Well, the other two didn't seem to think that. They happily went about and, and served and worked and, and were stewards of what was entrusted to them. They didn't seem to think they had anything to fear of the master's return. The problem was, this servant didn't know his master at all. His master wasn't harsh. He didn't look to reap where he hadn't sown. But he was judged according to his own, the words out of his own mouth. It says, I will judge you according to your own words. You thought that I reaped where I didn't sow. So even for that reason, you should have put my money with the bank. Could have at least got interest. He didn't know his master and it affected everything. It affected his very life. 
It affected his reward. It affected his status. I'm going to finish with these thoughts. So I'm just going to quickly read Psalm 27. Uh, 1 to 6 and then jump down to verse 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, in this I will be confident. Why? Because David knows his God. And look, look what he's focused on. One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. What's the one thing David is asking the Lord for, seeking for, desiring with all his heart? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. All he wanted is just get me another minute close to my God. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And then he finishes with this admonition, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We have the same command. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15 to 18 to his disciples, just before he ascended into heaven, he gave them their go. Just like Joshua's generation were told, go, possess the land, Jesus gave each of us the same command, go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do you have two eyes and two ears and a nose and a mouth and do you relatively look like a human? Well, you must be a creature. I'm going to preach to you. Preach the gospel to every creature, it says, starting in Jerusalem, Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Cast out devils, heal the sick, Raise the dead. If you drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt you. In other words, I'm with you just like I was with Moses, just like I was with Joshua, just like I was with Paul. I'm with you. Go. You know, I've been watching our son at Little Athletics and the little kids are so cute when they come to the starting line and they've got the gun, the start gun. They go, on your marks. And they say, Look down, look down the track. Don't look at the starter gun person. Look down the track. Okay. <laughs> Get set. Look, look down the track. Okay. Get set. <laughs> Go. Oh. They all look at each other. Is this it? I feel like God's going, oh, the gun's gone off. Come on. Go. <laughs> and if he's anything like me, I don't just stand there and go, run. I go, run! Come on, Timothy! Give it everything! I'm 
like one of those mums and he's just like, man, I'm running away. Like, this is embarrassing. But I'm like, go, son, go. Well, this is what I feel like God is saying. Go. You've got the best news in the entire world. Do you know the world needs some good news? When did you last turn on the TV and hear good news? Well, I don't remember the last time I turned on the TV. But anyway, you don't hear good news. We carry the good news, the best news, the news that there's a God who loves you and wants to rescue you and redeem you. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Freely you've received. Freely give. Be a generation of faith because our king is coming. And when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Well, I'll just say, come down to 85 Connor Street. There's a lot of faith there in Jesus' name. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to get you to stand, if you would, with me this morning. And um, I want to give an opportunity for those in this room, for those watching online, and we do this every week. If you want to receive this Jesus, if you want to know this God, then today's your day. You're not here by chance. You're not watching online by chance. Nothing is by chance when God is so incredible. You're here because he has a purpose for you. He wanted you to hear his voice calling you today. You individually. I love you. I died for you. So if we would just close our eyes, please, and bow our heads, just so that this moment we're not distracted. We can focus on this extraordinary God who gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's no greater God than that. There's no other God of love than the God of the Bible. He wants you to be part of his family. If you want to be in on this today, all I'm asking you to do is just raise your hand and say, Anita, count me in. I want to give my life to a God that gave his life for me, to a God that left the glories of heaven and came to earth, became human, just so he could rescue me, because that's what he did. Pop, Pop your hand up. I'll see that hand. I'm going to pray for you. Please include me in. Thank you. Thank you. I can see those hands. Is anyone else, if you're watching online, you want to be included in this prayer, you can raise your hand even at home. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's not the prayer. It's what comes from your heart. If you believe in your heart, the Bible says, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So why don't you just repeat this after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Wash me clean. Make me your child. I repent of my sins. And I choose to follow you. I believe you rose from the dead. Make me part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. And do you know what? Right this moment, the Bible says... There is an absolute party going off in heaven. I can see the party poppers and the, the, you know, the noisemakers. It says they rejoice when one, one more sinner comes home. We had more than one today. I'm telling you, they're kicking up a real shindig up there. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
What a good God. I'm going to pray for you all. Father, thank you for your people. Every one of them so precious to you, so beloved, so valued. Lord, I'm asking that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit afresh. Let them leave this place in the might and the power of the Lord. Give them an increase in their faith that they may know you and trust you and not be afraid. Lord, make us the generation that is full of faith, that obeys your commands, that goes when you say go, that looks at you with confidence because we know you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.